This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. I never really know what my Tuesday episodes are going to be about, and then without fail, something happens throughout the week that makes me think, oh my god, this is what my podcast topic is going to be about. So, as most of you probably know, last week was my first week with Milo in daycare after 19 weeks of quarantine. And without fail, after posting like one TikTok of me being at home while Milo was in daycare, I got some pretty special comments. Now, I know most people feel bad and they're like, oh my god, I can't believe you have to deal with comments like this and people are so mean. But really, like, my responses to these comments gives me joy and it also makes for great content on TikTok and Instagram. So it's really a win-win for me. The first comment I responded to on TikTok with a video reply was not shaming, genuinely just curious, but why does your son go to daycare if you're at home? And to be honest, I get that question a lot because I don't think people can fathom or understand why is your child in a childcare center if you're just at home. So I explained my situation a little bit in my reply um, and then the comments got a little bit ruder. Then I had If you're home, not working, you should be with your babies. Breaks are definitely okay, but why daycare? So I replied to that comment as well. I was a little bit more irritated, you know, but I kept my cool and, you know, just tried to explain as best I could and why I was confused about these comments. And then we had Scotty. God bless him. Scotty was a real gem. So Scotty says, My wife stays home with our kids, homeschools them, and works full-time. But one thing she does not have time for is making TikToks with a laughy face. Now, Scotty pissed me off. Obviously, I'm not going to just let that comment sit there. So I replied to Scotty and yeah, I basically shamed him. And really, the person losing in all of this situation is Scotty's wife. Let's be honest. Hashtag free Scotty's wife. So anyways, if you want some entertainment, go check out those TikToks on my TikTok profile at the.mom.room. But what this does is it kind of creates a conversation with all the moms who follow me on mostly Instagram because that's where I communicate mostly with people. And so it makes me think about you know, why do people feel this way? And why do I send Milo to daycare? And what benefit does that give Milo? What benefits does that give me, our family? Um, And so yeah, I like to open it up to people on Instagram to ask me questions about our situation or tell me their story about, you know, their situation with daycares, maybe something they're struggling with. Um, I know a lot of people are struggling right now with the decision, you know, do I send my child to daycare? Do I not? And so with all this conversation that's been going on this past week, I knew that today's episode would be about daycares or preschool or nursery school or, you know, whatever you want to call it. 
Because I often get asked how we made the decision to send Milo back after quarantine, I thought I would tell our daycare kind of story first. And then I would get into, you know, why daycare um, or childcare centers are beneficial for kids. I want to get into some comments that I received uh, from some of you on Instagram. And I'll probably end with a little bit of a rant on all the mom versus mom uh, stuff that goes on with regard to daycare. And before I even had Milo, I know people would always talk about the, you know, stay at home moms versus working moms and, you know, judging each other and whatever. So I never really knew that that was a real thing. Like I thought it was something that the media talked about and kind of made jokes about. But oh my God, it is so real. It's not even funny. And it's almost like at the end of the day, no matter what your situation is, you will come across people who think what you're doing is wrong, that you're not a good mom, that your child is suffering for whatever reason. And I know that this mom versus mom stuff is a direct result of how difficult motherhood is. People are struggling. We're all struggling. It's very difficult emotionally, physically, mentally. It's freaking hard. But I don't think people like to admit that it's hard or that they're struggling because then it may give the impression to other people that they're not a good mom or they don't know what they're doing or they shouldn't have had kids, so on and so on. I had someone on TikTok tell me not to procreate anymore. (laughs) Like, why? Why? It's just crazy. And when I see things like this happen and the mom versus mom stuff, I can't help but think that the person doing the attacking is struggling and is unhappy and it's their own kind of emotional turmoil that is causing them to lash out at other people because why in God's name would you write these things on some person's TikTok page that you don't even know or Instagram page or whatever it might be? You literally saw a 15 second snippet of a comedic video that they created and that's what you comment? It blows my mind. But anyways, what I was saying before, I think the people that attack and that shame and that try and guilt other moms are struggling themselves. And it makes me think about defense mechanisms because that was part of my training in school. So I always, you know, these things just pop up in my head because I'm a nerd. So a defense mechanism, like by definition, it's a psychological strategy that's unconsciously used to protect a person from anxiety or other, you know, negative emotions arising from unacceptable thoughts or feelings. So just to give an example, someone views my TikTok, I'm, you know, at home, my makeup's done, I'm making dinner, my son's in daycare, my husband's at work. To them, that triggers some kind of uncomfortable emotion and their defense mechanism is to write a nasty comment on my TikTok. So you can think of it as kind of like a protection from feeling anxiety or guilt or any any time that we feel threatened. So the defense mechanism that comes to mind for me in this situation would be projection, which is when someone attributes their own unacceptable thoughts or feelings to another person. So 
Another way to describe projection is when you unconsciously take unwanted emotions or traits you don't like about yourself and you attribute them to someone else. To me, the the mom shaming stuff is like a textbook example of projection. To be honest, I had no idea I was going to go into this super nerdy defense mechanism stuff, but I'm going to keep going and just explain a little bit further. I mean, I have to use my degree sometime, right? As I said before, projection is unconscious, so people don't even realize that they're doing it. But I think if you look into it and you kind of sit down and reflect on why you do certain things, you might start to realize that maybe you have a little bit of this going on as well. I'm sure I've done it before. I probably still do it. But I think I'm better equipped now to be able to recognize it in myself when I do do it and probably catch it quite quickly. So why do people project? Usually it happens because people are in denial of how they actually feel and they just try and dump it on other people instead of acknowledging their own feelings. But if you take time to sit and reflect on why you feel a certain way, it can be so rewarding and you'll be able to change your future behavior or your future feelings just by understanding what it is that's causing you to feel that way. So when you see something from someone else or you're talking to someone about their situation and you have this initial defensive response inside of you, sit with it for a moment. Why did that just happen? Why do you think you feel that way? And at the same time, do the same for other people. So do you really know what they're thinking and what they're feeling? Are you assuming things about their situation? You probably are. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there, and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Little Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals, so you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding, and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. 
The Little Spoon plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right, the quality is unmatched, you are going to love it, and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. I find when it comes to the mom versus mom stuff, we like to assume that the other person has the same feelings or emotional response to things that we do. So a great example that I can use from my own experience as a mom is the cry it out method of sleep training or any sleep training for that matter where they have to cry for more than five minutes. I know so many people who did this and that's fine but my initial response was that I completely disagreed with it and I couldn't believe how someone else could do that with their baby. I'm not gonna lie I had judgy thoughts when I heard that people did this because I just couldn't understand doing it myself. So I was putting how I felt about it onto other people. When I really sat down and thought about it, I realized that, you know, I did have kind of a biased opinion about letting your baby cry before I was even a mom because I'm trained in attachment. So part of that, I mean, I'm not going to get into it, but Part of that is meeting your child's needs, right? So they're crying because they need something, whether that's to be soothed, to be held by mom, to be fed, to be rocked, whatever. They're crying because they want something, they need something. So in my mind, to ignore that and just let them cry is horrible. And I couldn't do it with Milo. Did I ever sit down with like a sleep consultant or a physician or a pediatrician to hear their thoughts about it? No, I had my thoughts about it, my feelings about it. And my husband and I just decided early on that we weren't going to let him cry. And to be honest, like it was fucking horrible. He was up three to four times a night until he was about 11 months. And then at 11 months, we made the decision Like my thoughts, my feelings had changed and we let him cry a few times and he's been sleeping through the night ever since. So there you go. I'm probably going to do a podcast episode about our entire sleep stuff because it's so interesting and I know people struggle with this and you're always looking to what other people do, but honestly, just follow your gut and do what you want to do. But anyways, be ready for a podcast episode about sleep. So back to my projecting onto other people. What I also realized was, you know, by the time Milo was six, seven months and he was still getting up three or four times a night, every night, and, you know, my friends had babies that were sleeping through the night at four months old because they were doing the sleep training, I was like jealous. I was like, 
I wish I didn't feel this way about letting him cry because it sucks. So my point with all this stuff was, you know, you have these initial strong reactions to things, but if you sit and and think about why you feel that way, you're probably going to come to some kind of middle ground and understand that it's your underlying experiences or in my case, you know, stuff that I'm trained in that's going to affect how you feel and you're going to put it onto other people and assume that they should all feel the same way that you do and make the same decisions that you do. But that's not the case. We're all different. We've all lived a different life. We all were raised differently. We all have different career paths. We have different schedules. We have different partners or no partner. We have one kid, we have multiple kids, like every family situation is so unique. And I'll tell you right now that they know what's best for their family to function optimally. And if for whatever reason, they're in a situation where they can't be doing the thing that they want to do for their family to function optimally, they already are stressing about that and they're upset about it and they're working towards getting to that place and they don't need your input and shaming and rude comments. And I said it on Instagram the other day and I'll say it again, if you're shaming another mom, you may as well have written on your forehead, I'm not happy because that's the only explanation for why a mom would shame another mom instead of trying to help or be supportive. Like this is not rocket science. This is the same as it was in elementary school, in high school. People that bully other people have their own issues. They're the ones that are really hurting and the same goes for moms. Okay, that was a long rant, but I'm happy about it. So I told you guys that I would tell our daycare story. So here we go. And I will preface this by saying that I am Canadian. And in Canada, for the most part, although there are exceptions, women have the option of a 12 month or an 18 month maternity leave. And I know if you're in the US, you might think like, oh my God, that's crazy. And we think the same thing about your um, lack of maternity leave. We, I know just speaking to other moms, can't imagine not having that 12 or 18 months. And that's not to say that all Canadians have it, because if you're an entrepreneur, if you work part time, you're not going to get that. You need to be a I'm pretty sure you need to be like a permanent um, full-time employee that has benefits. We also have, and I don't know if this is the same in the U.S., but we have the option for our partners to take a paternity leave. So if my husband was not self-employed, he could have taken up to, I think it's the same thing. I might not be correct, but 12 or 18 months but both parents can't take the full time. So whatever time the mom doesn't take, then her partner can take the remainder. So I do have friends where, you know, the mom took 12 month maternity leave and then uh, her partner would take three or four months 
um, and you can do them at the same time. They just can't be uh, over the maximum amount of time. I should have researched maternity leave stuff before giving that little spiel because I don't know a lot about it because I was a student when I had Milo. So because I was a full-time student at a university, I had the 12-month maternity leave from the program, so I didn't have to pay tuition. Um, yeah, so keep that in mind when I'm telling my story that I had a 12-month maternity leave. For me, I took that 12 months and did absolutely nothing but take care of Milo. Uh, That was my focus. So that was my expectation going into it. So I didn't feel like I was missing out on anything. You know, I went back to yoga um, when I was able to. But other than that, you know, I wasn't working on school stuff. I wasn't worried about being productive in any other area of my life. It was just me and Milo chilling, uh, living our life. So we had Milo in Sudbury, which is where I'm from originally. And that was awesome because all my family was around. I had friends there. And then a few months before my maternity leave came to an end, we moved to the GTA, which is the greater Toronto area. So during my pregnancy in Sudbury, we didn't know that we were going to be moving. So I had signed up um, with the government run website where you put your name in to be um, on the wait list for childcare and you select what daycares are your top choices. But when we found out we were going to be moving, I panicked because I know how difficult it is to find daycare if you're not applying or on a wait list like a year in advance. So we came down to Toronto a few months before moving and I had made appointments to view some daycares in the area that we were going to be living. So my mom and I drove down with Milo and we toured four daycares. I was comfortable with two, I hated one, and I was absolutely in love with one. The two that we saw were really big centers and it just seemed so busy and chaotic for a 12-month-old. They also didn't have specifically an infant room. So some daycares start at 18 months. Most daycares start at 18 months, it seems. But there are a few that have infant rooms. So what that means is they take infants that are younger than 18 months Uh, very few of them because the ratio of the care providers to the children is I think one to three. So it makes sense, right? Because these big centers, it's a business. So they want toddlers because you can have more kids and less workers. Like it makes sense. But the daycare that I was in love with had an infant room specifically where there were six infants and two teachers. I don't know why I'm calling them workers. Like, Davernay. It was a smaller room, which was nice. Um, It was, you know, covered with thick mats. They had age-appropriate toys. They had a fridge in there to keep their formula or milk or breast milk. They had a separate room, which was right off of the infant room. That was the sleep room. So it was pitch black. They had sound machines. 
They had six cribs, so each infant had their own crib. So you brought their sleep sack and, you know, their soothers, whatever. And they kept your child on whatever schedule they were on at home, which is huge because if you put your infant into one of those few spots that a toddler room has, then your infant is basically going to have to go by the toddler's routine, which, you know, is totally different. So huge bonuses when you can find a daycare that has a room that's specific for infants. And I mean, the girls were amazing. They have like a professional kitchen inside the daycare where they make all their own food, their meals. They have like a calendar with all the meals and snacks for the month. Like I would like to eat there. It's just, you know, when you walk into a place and you just can tell the energy you get from it, it was just such a good place. So I'm so happy that we ended up getting a spot there for Milo. So he was there, he started in August and I finished school in March and then quarantine happened. And this is just our specific situation, but we knew that he was go back to daycare once quarantine was over. He loved it. We loved it for him. The routine, he like just the stuff that he was getting exposed to, the crafts, the activities, the other kids, like it's huge. And especially when you have, they have this app called Hi Mama and it's a daycare app. So parents are signed up to the app and all day you get updates like what your child has eaten, if they have formula or milk or breast milk, like how much of that they've drank and when, uh, their dirty diapers, their nap schedule, like pictures are constantly being uploaded throughout the day and you can check this all day so you really get to see what their day is like so with that you really kind of get an idea of what your child is doing all day and you know you don't have to guess oh I wonder if they slept today I wonder what they ate like you know everything so it really wasn't a question for us of whether we would send him back. We trusted the center, we trusted the health authorities in Ontario um, to kind of let us know when it was safe for daycares to reopen and also making sure that, you know, our specific daycare was following all the regulations put in place by the health authorities. I don't even know what to call them. Which will bring me to the next topic of... COVID. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner, 
I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment, and there's also a glossing detangling which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. So a lot of you guys asked me how I feel about sending Milo back to daycare with um, COVID still being a thing. And I think the biggest thing I would say is that you have to know what the numbers are like in your own area. I would say that compared to other places, we're pretty fortunate in that our numbers are really low in Ontario. And I know even for me, I was nervous because prior to COVID being a thing, Milo was sick all the time going to daycare like every few weeks he'd be home with you know a typical cold um and so yeah it's scary to think okay i'm gonna send him back now during you know when COVID is a thing and if he gets sick like he did previously you're not gonna know if it's COVID or it's just a cold and obviously everyone's anxieties are heightened about kids getting sick right now And of course, they have policies in place. Uh, If a child does get sick, like what happens? Um, You know, they are tested and monitored and not allowed back in the center until they're 48 hours symptom free. We get our temperatures taken every morning. We go to drop him off. And I was speaking to my husband about this because I was nervous about him getting sick going back as well, especially with COVID now. And I started to kind of look at it in a different way in that everyone is being so diligent when it comes to sanitizing their hands, wearing a mask, social distancing, like there's so many things that is just common now and that everyone's doing, especially in the daycare as well. You know, Milo is in his one room with his group of 10 people and that's it. The rooms don't intermix like they used to do. Um, outside they're not playing with other kids like he's just sticking with his 10 in his room and so if you think about all the precautions that everyone is taking nowadays plus now he's being exposed to way less kids and they're taking precautions even within the group of 10 people that he's with I wouldn't be surprised if the kids get sick way less often than they did prior to all these precautions being put into place. But of course, there's always the worry that, you know, 
someone is going to get COVID and your kid will get it and then we'll get it. That's always a concern, of course, because it is a possibility no matter how small the chances are. But then we also discussed how, you know, COVID is not going anywhere. I think people are thinking, you know, we're in stage three now in Ontario anyways. So things are starting to reopen, you know, in a couple months, everything's just going to be totally back to normal. And then I'll send my kid back to daycare. Well, no, that's not what's going to happen. Like this is going to be around for a long time. So if right now the health authorities are saying based on the numbers, you know, it's safe for daycares to open and here's the precautions that everyone should be taking and everyone's taking these precautions, then I feel comfortable sending Milo to daycare because if we didn't send him now, when would we send him? Would we be waiting for a vaccine? Would we be waiting until stage four? Would we be waiting, like, when? When would we be sending him? Because this could go on for years. So after discussing all this stuff, we, you know, decided that we would send him back when we could and when it was safe to do so, and we feel that it's safe to do so. I know a lot of people have a different opinion with regard to COVID and sending their kids back to daycare, and that's totally fine. I'm just trying to explain kind of how we worked through thinking about it um, for us. All right, so that's that. And based on some of the comments that I've received, I wanted to talk a little bit about the benefits of daycare for young kids. And I want to preface this by saying that not all daycares are equal, but if you find a great childcare center, a daycare, a home daycare, there are benefits to sending your child that they wouldn't necessarily get being at home with an adult. And I know when I talked about the benefits that Milo gets from being in daycare, a lot of people were like, oh, great. Well, I'm a stay-at-home mom with my toddler and now I feel bad because my kid's not in daycare. And that's not the point here. If you're staying at home with your child, there are other like community things that you could be doing with your child to get the exact same benefits. This is not, you know, unique to daycares. It's just something that comes along with going to daycare for a child. And again, the decision to send your child to daycare or not is a family decision. So is it good for the child? Is it good for the mom? Is it good for the dad? Is it good for the family unit as a whole? It's not just, you know, it's good for the child. It's not good for the child. Like you have to look at the whole picture and then make your decision. And I'm sure it's very common that there's parents out there that want to send their child to a daycare or a child care center and there's none available to them that they feel comfortable sending their child to. So maybe they hire someone to watch them within their home or maybe one of the parents stays home. Again, I'm just trying to really stress how every situation is different. Okay, some benefits of daycare. And based on the comments this week, it would appear that some people have this idea that daycares are just these awful places that people just shove their kids to get rid of them. And this can't be further from the truth. Again, as I said before, a good childcare center or daycare is an opportunity for the child. It is not a necessity. 
The number one thing is the benefits that children get from social interaction with kids their own age. Research has shown that children who attended high-quality center-based care for at least one year had lower rates of emotional, behavioral, relationship, and attention problems later in life compared to kids who were watched by a family member or babysitter. So that study was done in France and it is cited in a motherly um, article, which I will put in the episode notes in case you want to read it yourself. And the results of this study, it says, did not surprise experts um, given that early childhood education programs have been proven to have long-term benefits for kids. While society often looks at daycare as simply a place to park children during the workday, a daycare is so much more. And I love that sentence. And just in my own experience, I find that the people who have this negative view of daycares, they've either had, you know, a horrible experience with a bad daycare center or they have never had their kids in daycare. So they have this bias within them and haven't been able to see for themselves the benefits that daycare can give a child. And on the other hand, everyone I speak to, like all my friends who send their children to daycare, absolutely love the daycares and even felt bad during quarantine because their child was missing out on going to daycare, which I totally relate to that feeling as well. I felt bad for Milo, like he was at home with me. And while I try my best, I'm not five other toddlers. I'm just not. In this motherly article, they even talk about, you know, when parents are staying at home with the children, it's nice to even have the option to send your child to a center you know, a couple mornings a week. And I know a lot of people that messaged me on Instagram, that was their situation. They were home and they would send their child a couple days a week just to get stuff around the house done. And I love in this motherly article, they point out that, you know, we shouldn't be made to feel guilty because we have to work or we can't afford a nanny. Um, Or because, you know, we just want a couple free mornings during the week to do grocery shopping without a toddler. Like that is fine. Can we all just stop pretending like getting things done with a toddler is easy? Like it's friggin' impossible. Impossible or it takes five times the amount of time if I'm doing it on my own. No offense, Milo, but it's, it's pretty hard. And the thing that really gets me is, you know, you get judged for sending your child to daycare. Okay. Um, in my experience, Milo being in daycare actually helped our family so much with regard to spending quality time together and I will explain why. Before COVID happened, Milo was in daycare and I was finishing up my PhD and while I would work a lot during the days on my PhD, I also had free time to run errands, to cook dinner, to do groceries, to go, you know, Milo needed new shoes, I would go get him new shoes the laundry was always done, the house was clean, I could take the dogs if they had a vet appointment or a grooming appointment, I could take Milo to doctor's appointments. I was getting everything for the house done during the week as well as my PhD. And at the same time, Milo was living his best life at daycare. When my husband would get home from work, 
dinner was ready. We would eat dinner together as a family. We weren't stressed trying to make dinner. We weren't stressed, you know, having to run errands after work. We weren't stressed trying to clean the house or get laundry done for the next day. I, you know, during the day, I got the upstairs ready for bath time, for bedtime. Everything was good to go. So we had dinner together. We played after dinner. We, you know, had dance parties in the living room. And then we would go up. We would do his bath time together. We would lay in bed, cuddle, watch some TV, read some books, have his bottle. Like we were able to just focus on Milo from the second he walked in the door from daycare. We had nothing else to worry about or to do. And the same goes for weekends. Our weekends were our weekends. We weren't running errands. We weren't, you know, stressed out trying to get the house clean. We weren't trying to catch up on laundry. Everything was done because I was home working and getting that shit done. Now fast forward to quarantine when I was home and couldn't get anything done. Well, very minimal things done. I started to notice that things were more stressful when my husband came home from work. We were, you know, I was running upstairs trying to get laundry folded, trying to get the upstairs ready. My husband usually stopped if we needed groceries on his way home from work. So he was coming home a little bit later. Like it's a domino effect, right? Like all these things we didn't have to worry about before all of a sudden became a thing that we had to do after work or on the weekends. And I'll admit, maybe I could have done a lot more during the day, but then I would feel like I was neglecting Milo and I wasn't giving him the interaction and the attention that he needed and that he would usually get from daycare. So quarantine really showed me how well our situation prior to quarantine was working for our family. So my advice is to figure out what works the best for your family and do that and everyone and their opinions can fuck right off. Another benefit that we find with daycare for Milo is that he eats so well at daycare and I think it's honestly because he's surrounded by kids his own age and they're eating everything so he eats everything. For some reason, he'll gobble up rice at daycare, but he won't eat my goddamn rice. I don't know why. Another thing I noticed just from him going back this past week is his speech just completely skyrockets after a day in daycare. And it's not like I'm not talking when I'm home with him during the day. Like I talk nonstop, but there's something about seeing other kids your age talking that just pushes them to speak, I guess. And I know I posted a video on my Instagram of him after his first day back at daycare and he was babbling nonstop. It was insane. Something else that I absolutely love about daycare is that he's able to form a relationship with another adult. He loves the girls that take care of him at his daycare and I love seeing that he loves other adults. I guess it kind of comes from like my attachment stuff. I don't just want him to be, you know, anxiously attached to me and not be able to form attachment relationships with other people. Something like that because I get so much joy when I go to drop him off and he like reaches for one of the girls. And I know just by seeing the photos all day, like he loves them and it's so awesome to see that. 
And these are some benefits for Milo. I could do a whole other podcast episode on the benefits that I get from daycare. So I'm going to get into just a couple comments that I received on Instagram about daycare. Um, This episode is turning out to be way longer than I expected, but I can't stop talking about it. Someone messaged me saying that their 26-month-old son was having an extremely hard time adjusting to going back to daycare. And I honestly think so many kids are in this situation because quarantine was kind of this like environment that created an anxious attachment in children. They were literally with one or two parents and that's it day in and day out for like 20 weeks. That is crazy. So kids having a difficult time going back to daycare is completely expected, I would say. And I honestly think it's just going to take time and maybe even a slower transition back into daycare to get them to where they were at before. For me, Milo didn't nap last week. He was there for five days and he didn't nap for five days. So what we did was we brought his bedtime down a lot earlier. So he was going to bed at 6 p.m. instead of like 7, 7.30. Um, and yeah, we're just hoping that eventually he's going to get to a place where he starts napping and back into his regular routine at daycare. I wanted to read this one comment from someone who says that Uh, She worked as a daycare educator for six years. She says, in my opinion, it is imperative that children get exposed to daycare or some other form of structured learning from a young age. It not only fosters social and emotional development, but the sense of comfort and stability they get from a consistent routine allows them to freely explore, experiment and push boundaries and reach their full potential. Furthermore, it instills life skills such as being responsible for their own learning, following basic instructions, seeking out new experiences, and developing a well-rounded sense of self. The benefits of daycare are endless, and in my experience, the children who have started at a younger age are the children who are more confident, capable, and outgoing, whereas children who start preschool or daycare the year before school are more likely to be shy unsure of themselves, and lack the confidence to be able to seek out new learning experiences. I love that message so much, so thank you to the girl who sent that to me. Someone else reached out to me and asked if there was like an optimal age uh, to start daycare. So if you have the option of starting whenever you would like, when should that be? And so I really don't have an answer for that. And I know in Canada, most people start daycare at 12 months because most women take a 12 month maternity leave. So from a developmental perspective, I'm not sure what the optimal age would be to send a child to daycare. But for myself, I don't think I would have been very comfortable sending Milo much younger than 12 months. But again, that's what we're used to here in Canada. So if I lived somewhere else, I may not have the same opinion. So many people had mentioned that they were home with their toddler and a newborn during COVID and once quarantine was lifted and daycares were open, they felt so guilty sending their toddler back to daycare. Guilty and also being judged by other people. Which is insane because with a newborn, you're not getting much sleep. You have to take care of the newborn all day. How much interaction and social stimulation do you think the toddler is getting during the day at home? Like it's crazy. I would 100% say if you have the option to send them to a good daycare, oh my god, do it. 
they're going to be living their best life and you can friggin' sleep when your newborn is sleeping at home and worry about the newborn all day while your toddler is thriving 100%. Like, it's so obvious to me that I can't even believe that this is a thing that people are thinking about and being judged over. Like, wow. One last comment that I received that I absolutely loved was from a woman who is a physician and she told me that her three-year-old goes to daycare and she stays home right now. She chose not to go back to work for a while and is getting a ton of, you know, negative feedback from other people, mostly women, obviously, um, about how she's flushing her career down the toilet and how she wants to be a stay-at-home mom, but she's sending her child to daycare. And while you might as well work since he's at daycare, like, what are you doing? And then she went on to explain to me that if she was working, she wouldn't be able to drop him off at daycare. She wouldn't be able to pick him up. She would be on call all the time, which I know because my husband's a physician is a friggin' nightmare. Um, So yeah, and then she makes the point as well that while he's this age, she'd rather be home and take care of stuff at the house and cook his meals and pick him up, drop him off. And she loves daycare because she also sees the benefit of the socialization, new skills that he's learning, and also his independence is improving. Then she ended her message with this Arabic saying. Um, She wrote it in Arabic at first, and then she told me that that translates into a woman's enemy is always another woman. She says, can you imagine a world where us moms all support each other? It's bad enough there's a gender pay gap, sexism, and a fight for equality. We have the added burden of hate from other women. I honestly think that as more people speak out about their experiences and make decisions for their family based on what's best for their family and not what other people are saying and not out of fear of being judged, that this will slowly turn around. And if you find yourself, you know, having this initial gut reaction to something that another mom is doing or not doing, ask yourself why you feel that way before you try and make them feel bad about their decision just because it's not what you would decide for your family. I know this episode was kind of all over the place and that is because I haven't even really organized all my thoughts with regard to this topic, but I love this topic so much and so I'm hoping that it's a conversation that we can keep having. Um, Look out for my episode coming up on Thursday, which is all about mom guilt. Thank you guys so much for listening. You're awesome. I'm going to make a mom gang. You're all invited. And I really hope your children sleep tonight. Are you looking for a podcast that'll make you laugh? You came to the wrong place. That's not us. That's not us. Well, it is. We are a husband and wife who chat about raw, real relationship topics. Yeah, like sex. Like money. Like marriage and kids. But we're not afraid to talk about how your newborn baby probably isn't as cute as you think it is. If you're in need of entertainment while you're driving to work, because that sucks, we can join you in the suckage, kind of like being in your ear. Not physically. So if you want to laugh, come check us out. Come check us out. Brought to you by the Laughing Couple Podcast. (laughs) Ha ha ha.